0: Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. We are in week two of this series on fruitfulness. If you haven't caught up, I'd love for you to catch last week's message online. You can find all of our message series online. I'd love for you to be able to catch up to that. Uh, But I'll catch you up the best that I can. We are talking about living a life of productivity. That God is interested in your life producing. Say amen to that. You are not, look at me, you are not, you were not born and you certainly were not born again to just be a consumer. You are not born again to be a taker, but the people of God are to be producers. We're supposed to, our lives are supposed to produce some things. There's some spiritual fruits, actually called the fruit of the Spirit, that your life is supposed to produce. You're not just supposed to wake up tomorrow and think, what can I get out of this? What can I get out of this job? What can I get out of this church? What can I get out of this ministry? What can I get out of this relationship? What can I get out of this friendship? You, anybody know people like this? What Always looking. What can I get out of this business contact? What can I get out of this? And I know there's seasons where God would put you together and He's doing it to, you know, for, for, for blessing you. But, but the majority of my life is not meant for me to take. The majority of my life is meant for me to produce. It's to give my life. Shout amen to that. It's to be productive. You are more than... A taker and John 15. If you have your Bibles and turn there, John 15 is where we've kind of centered our time together. John is not a synoptic gospel, Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke are. That means Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell the same stories from different perspectives. John does not. John actually tells seven different stories that prove the deity of Christ. That's John's gospel in a nutshell. And I love uh, how John does this. In John 15, maybe the most famous uh, passage about fruitfulness is John the 15th uh, chapter. And that's kind of where we've been. I can't read it all to you, but I'll catch you up. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. Um, My father is a gardener. And that he cuts down every branch that doesn't bear fruit. Now look at me. I don't know what that means except to say if God is the gardener, I don't want him to cut anything down in my life. I don't want him to I don't want him to look at my life and say it's not doing what I wanted it to do. And that we said last week he he found a fig tree once that wasn't producing what it was supposed to. He cut it down, it withered away and died. Next time they walked by it, it was gone. I don't want my life to be that way. But he said, I, he cuts down every branch that doesn't bear fruit. But look. And He prunes every branch that does bear fruit, so there bear more fruit. We said this last week. Let me remind you that all the cutting in your life may not be God cutting you down. It may be God cutting you back. There may be some pruning I need in my life. Not everything is punishment. Sometimes it's pruning. Shout amen to them. Sometimes it's God going. You got to get rid of that attitude. You got to get rid of that spirit. You got to. That, 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 I don't like that, uh, that. That inside of you, the way that you responded to that, that anger on the inside of you, that the way you you look that way. Anybody know that look? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, women know. Y'all are born with it, but you know what I'm saying. It's that that something with your head and your earrings too. Just. God may be cutting away. I'm coming for you men in a minute. God may be cutting away some stuff in my life. Are you, are, are you understand? Say amen. Verse 8, John 15 and 8. Turn there in your Bibles. You can look at it on the screen behind me. This is our theme verse. This is to my Father's glory. Underline that in your Bible. This is to my Father's glory. Now look at me, not the screen. This is to my Father's glory. Every good thing, let me teach you this. Every good thing God gives you He doesn't give you for your glory. He gives it to you for God's glory. Let me say that again so you don't get it confused. When blessing comes into my life, when relationship comes into my life, when good things come into my life, every good thing comes from God, the Bible says, when good things come into my life, it's not so that I can boast about look what I've got. Look what God did. Look, look at, look at how blessed I am. Now I understand that. I understand you wanting to say that, but if it draws attention to me, that's not what God gave it. Everything God gives me, every producing thing in my life, is for God's glory. Say amen to that. When somebody looks at your life and says, "Man, I wish I had what you had," you don't need to say, "Yeah, well, you know, I just, you know, I just, I'm just smart. <laughs> I, just, I just got it. You know and I just." You know, I just, I, yeah, I hate it, you know, not everybody can be pretty like me and Skeeter. Not everybody can have what we have. Not, 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 you know, not everybody's got what I, no, no, no. When they look at your life and they say, man, what a marriage, 25 years in faithfulness and faithfulness and, and you're still together and hard times, you need to say, I know, ain't God good. Look what God's done in my life When you when they look at your business as a business owner You don't need to say, yeah, I worked hard Now I know you worked hard for it Yeah, you know, I just, I, I mean, I dug it out Yeah, I, I know all that's true But why don't you turn it around and go You know what, God gave me this business God opened my uh, mind God gave me the ability God opened every door in my life Are you there? Yes. It's for God's glory Alright, go back to the Bible Put it back on the screen, verse 8 This is to my Father's glory That you bear, everybody say much fruit, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is how the world will know you're a disciple of Jesus. It's that your life has fruit to it, that you're productive, that there's something in you, that you don't just say you're a Christian, there's fruit that shows you're a Christian. You don't just pretend to be something, you don't just have leaves and no fruit, no, I'm I'm I am who I say I am. And today, and today's that was just the catch-up. I just spent seven minutes catching all y'all up. See why you don't need to miss? Because then, then I don't I wouldn't have to catch you up. So today I want to go all the way back to the beginning. I want to go back to Genesis, the first chapter. God creates Adam and Eve, and where does he put them? Come on, Sunday school people. Where's God put Adam and Eve? The garden. Everybody's like, I don't know if I say it. Nah think of the garden, but it could have been comfort. I don't know where he put them. (laughs) The garden. Say the garden. Put them in a garden. God creates Adam and Eve, puts them in a garden. What's the first commandment that God gives to Adam and Eve? Now look, now wait, listen. A lot of people, and me included, I would probably have responded, don't eat the fruit of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As a matter of fact, I even teach I teach uh, uh, th- this this uh, semester. By the way, we're launching freedom groups, and we're reimagining the way we do freedom small groups. We're doing it on campus. I'm teaching uh, every session of the freedom small groups, and we'll have small group tables. I want everybody to go through freedom. Everybody needs God to set me free of some stuff. Say amen to that. All right. I teach, though. I teach about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I would probably have told you, well, the first commandment, he said, is don't eat the fruit of the knowledge. That's not true. That's not the first commandment God gave Adam and Eve. The first commandment, listen to me, I'm going to help you here. I'm going to unlock something in your spiritual life here. The first commandment God gave Adam and Eve is not don't. The first commandment God gave Adam and Eve was here's what I want you to do. And if you view God through the lens of, as soon as I get saved, God's got a list of what I can't do, then you'll live your whole faith life believing God leads with a no. God doesn't lead the conversation with a no. God leads the conversation with go. That's better than you just "amen." God leads the conversation when you're, when he created man and woman and when he recreates men and women he does not when he saves you puts his Holy Spirit inside of you God doesn't start with a list of what to do and not to do God starts with oh by the way Kesley I got purpose for you I got anointing for you I got something for you to do I got a calling on your life I've been waiting your whole life till this point because when you surrender to Jesus and he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you that's the it's not for status it's for service the Holy Spirit inside of you is for what can I do now say amen and I don't mean exercising spiritual gifts oh I'm, I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me that means I can pray in my prayer language you're exactly right I do. Every day. I think you ought to. I think everybody ought to experience uh, 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 that, uh, the opportunity of baptism in the Holy Spirit. But look at me. It's, I, I can prophesy and, and heal and, and lay hands on the sick. All that's true. But the Holy Spirit isn't in you so you can show off the gifts. The Holy Spirit is in you so you can serve other people. Watch. He tells Adam and Eve. First commandment he gives to humanity. Genesis 1 and 28. The Bible says, then God, say that next word. Say it out loud. Then God blessed them. Look at me. Pause. Look at me. you got to know the first thing God wants to do in your life is bless you. The first thing God does after he breathes his own spirit inside of them is bless them. People who come to God and say, I don't, I don't know about religion. I don't know about serving God. It seems like it's just it's so restrictive and it's so hard. And God, no, no, no. First thing God does, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to put my hand on you. You're the child of the most high. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear. You say, well, pastor, how, how is it blessed? You don't know what kind of life I've been through. You don't know what kind of life you could have had had God not blessed you. You think this is bad You try living without the hand of God on your life And he blesses them And God said to them First commandment God gave Be fruitful and multiply The first thing God said wasn't don't The first thing God said is I got a job for you I got something for you to do Fill the earth, subdue it Have dominion Over the fish of the sea Have dominion over the birds of the air have dominion over all the axes deer I'm prophesying into your deer season right now don't forget to tie the back strap in Jesus name have have, de- <laughs> have dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth how you view your relationship with how you view God determines the relationship you have with God. If you think God starts with no, then you'll always be scared of, well I hope God isn't mad at me. God doesn't start that way. God starts with I got something for you to do. Go to work, take dominion, get busy, cultivate, subdue, plant, reproduce, water, nurture, dig up, replant, put sunshine in it. I got work for you to do. And look at me, and the reason Adam gets in trouble with the serpent is not because he was doing work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust a myth of our culture right open for you. You don't get burnt out being busy. You get burnt out being bored. And Adam and Eve, if they were busy doing what God had called them to do, if Adam was taking dominion, if Adam was naming animals, if Adam was cultivating the garden, if Adam was rowing up uh, all the different rows he had to plant in, if Adam was watering every seed God gave him, if Adam was pruning back every tree God gave him, if Adam was fishing, come on somebody, in every river God gave him, if Adam was taking dominion in the garden, when Eve came to Adam and said, "Hey, there's a snake over there talking." Adam would have said, "Woman, because that's how you." What? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't laugh at that. That's dumb. Don't laugh at that. Adam would have said, bring him here. Adam would have crushed the head of the snake, and it would have went on, and we'd have still been in the Garden of Eden. Adam missed God's plan in his life because he wasn't busy on his purpose. He was bored looking for a problem. And most of the issues of your life are not because you're too busy doing what God called you. It's because you're too busy doing something else. And the enemy slithers his way into your mind and into your marriage. I've counseled many a men. You know when pornography is—you know when pornography usage is the highest, according to Pew Research, at night. You know what day of the week? Sunday. Sunday evening, highest usage of pornography in America. You know why? Because men aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And when you're bored, and alone, and by and that snake withers, are you, are you with me, everybody? When temptation comes into your life. When struggle comes into your life, when burnout comes into your life, it's because I'm not busy doing God gave Adam something to do. And he's given you something to do. You've got purpose in your life. Let me just, let me speak over your life. You're, you're a champion. You're born a champion. You say, Pastor, you don't know where I come from. No, I just know where you got born again and when you're born again you're a ch- you're a child of the most high god he's got calling in your life purpose in your life something for you to do but you have to work it so god puts adam and eve in a garden to work it i lived in Te- i've lived in texas now almost 13 years where's all my native texans at where you at born and raised yep they all say the same thing Woo! And an occasional yee-haw, yeah. So I married a native Texan, and, uh, and I'm from the deep south. Uh, n- nobody hollers about Arkansas. <laughs> we had some friends in last week visiting, and uh, and they're from Alabama, and we were walking around the Alamo. This is a true story. We were walking around the Alamo, and and our wives had kind of moved ahead, and he, and he got me. He said, Pastor, is it... Is every Texan this proud of being from Texas? I I just rolled my eyes. I said, yes. (laughs) Nobody's proud of being from Alabama or Arkansas. We don't don't have our own fight song, you know. And Anyway. I lived in Texas 13 years, and I love the live oaks. I love the trees. I used to love water. You all remember what that is? (laughs) Lakes and whatnot, but... I grew up in the Deep South. I love to go home. I love love the tall pine trees of my home. and love the azalea trees of the Deep South. I love a garden. I, I think God, it doesn't really matter where you come from, I think God put a love for gardens on the inside of people. I don't know why that is. Maybe when we get to heaven, I'll ask. Well, what is it about that gardens are peaceful? There's something about a, a garden. Uh, it's not hard to be captivated by a flourishing garden. Gardens uh, uh, in the Bible don't just show up in creation, they show up all throughout. Uh, scripture: Jesus is in a garden of Gethsemane uh, before he is crucified. He he finds a place of solitude. The Bible says he goes somewhere alone, and the, and the place that he goes to to talk to his father and prepare his heart before the crucifixion is a garden. It's the Garden of Gethsemane. It's it's fragrant. It's there's something serene about this location before he takes on the sin of the world. In John nineteen, after the crucifixion. The Bible said Jesus is buried in a tomb in a garden, in a garden. Even the even the body of Jesus for three days is inside of a garden tomb. In the very next chapter, John 20, Mary Magdalene is the first woman who shows up and sees Jesus. By the way, let me pause here. If you don't like women preachers, you wouldn't know about the resurrection if it wasn't for women preachers. Because Mary Magdalene, she's Jesus first. All the boys are out sleeping and tired and scared to death Uh and Mary shows up, and, and she's in the garden. And listen, and the Bible said she mistakes him for the gardener. <laughs> she actually thinks Jesus is, is, is the gardener. Jesus would teach about seeds and vineyards and fields and branches. And, and I asked the Lord, why, why so much garden talk? Why is there garden all throughout the Scripture? Write it down like this if you're taking notes today. A garden is an opportunity. A garden is an opportunity a garden is not a promise it's an opportunity a garden does not guarantee success it's an opportunity for success a garden doesn't guarantee you're going to get growth and harvest that you want it's just it's just the I can I have the opportunity to get harvest out of this a garden doesn't guarantee fruit and vegetables a garden just gives you the opportunity to grow fruit and are you with me everybody it's the, it's it's a it's an opportunity in your life I live next to my neighbors uh, on on the right side of my home are on the HOA board um, side note they're on my list of people who need Jesus and At prayer, you know, we we write down the people who we're praying for and and he's on it. That's completely unrelated to him being on the HOA board. But he he recently, uh, uh, and I just celebrated, just I thought it was awesome. Uh, The neighborhood just gave him Yard of the Month. How special. And if you stand in, in the cul-de-sac I live on, and and you look at our yards and you look at his yard of the month, <laughs> and he, he's got this little sign, and there's blooming, and there's little gnomes everywhere, and there's the grass is green, and then you look at mine, and it's not quite as green as his, and I have a dog who hates my grass, and I have two kids who hate my grass, and and. And you look at both of these yards, look at me, listen to me, and you think, what in the world is different? Now listen to me, We we have the same builder, we have the same size lot, we almost have the same floor plan, we have the same sprinkler system, they put the same sod in, they built our house in the same year. Everything is the same, but the yard doesn't guarantee green grass, it's an opportunity for green grass. I'm going somewhere. You better catch up to me. Everything in your life is an opportunity for God to bless you. It isn't guaranteed that God will bless it. It's a chance for you to work what it is God gave you. And the reason God put Adam and Eve in a garden is not because the garden was everything they needed. It's because the garden had the potential for everything they need. And look at me, everything in your life is a garden. Your marriage is a garden. It may not be producing what you want it to produce right now, but it's not because it can't. It's just because you ain't working it like somebody else is working. You look at their lives and think, man, I wish I had their marriage. Man, I wish I had their blessing. Man, I wish I had what they've got. Well, do you water it like they water it? Do you aerate it? You know what aerators are? I don't either. But my neighbor walks around just stomping in his yard like this. The devil just walks around aerating his yard. And I I think, well, what a dummy he is till he got yard of the month. Now who's the dummy? Why? Because everything in my life is a garden. My my business is a garden. God didn't give me this business just so I could be blessed. God gave it to me so I could use it, leverage it. God, this is a garden. I can grow employees that are world changers. I can meet customers. I I have the chance in my life. Your mind is a garden. Oh, this is a good one. Your mind is a garden. If you don't like the depression and the anxiety that's, that's weighing you down, ask yourself. What are you feeding your garden? What's the input what seeds are you allowing into this mind of yours? everything you have is a garden your soul Your emotions are a garden. Our children are a garden I can't guarantee they're going to grow up and honor God with their lives I got to grow it in them, mark. I got to plant it in them I got to put seed in them. I got to water it. I got to nurture it. I got to fertilize it I got a chance There's an opportunity. Your grandchildren, they're not just to spoil and fill them up with sugar. They're an opportunity in your life. You say, well, man, I wish I had another chance with my kids. Guess what? You do. Your grandkids are God's reward for you not killing your kids. So get it right the next time. They're a garden. Are you catching what I'm trying to teach you? They're a garden in your life. Your children are a garden. Your soul's a garden. Your marriage is a garden. Your business is a garden. Your mind is a garden. This church is a garden. This is not a building. This is more than second service. This is a spiritual garden where you can grow and flourish and your life gets better. And everything changes, not because we're Special, not because it's guaranteed. You can't just show up to church and get a flourishing life. You gotta till the garden. Amen. I'm gonna preach a third service just by myself in here. It's so good. You got to do something with the garden you've been given. I'm 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 I'm, I'm closing early. Come on, come play. Cause I feel what I'm teaching you right now. You got to do something with the garden that you have. You got to look around your life. Quit complaining about what I don't have and say, God, what garden did you give me? God, where did you plant me? God, what do I have? Don't worry about what you don't have. Look at what you do have and say, God, this marriage isn't much. God, this isn't much. My peace isn't much. I don't have a whole lot of joy left, but I got a little bit and I'll take this and plant in my garden. That's why David said in Psalm 92, the righteous will flourish. Psalm 92 and 12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. My favorite passage in all the Bible. They grow like a cedar of Lebanon. How? Cuz they got planted in the house of the Lord. What happens when they planted in the right spiritual soil? They flourish in the courts of our God. That's why I want you planted in a small group this fall. That's why I want you planted on the dream team. That's why I want to see you at a family dinner tonight, tomorrow, next week. Why? Because if you get planted in the house, you'll flourish in the courts. And when they get old, this is my, I'm holding on to this promise. As a matter of fact, I prophesy it over you. When they get old, they'll still bear fruit in their old age. <laughs> I want to be an old brother. Cantankerous a little bit wearing short shorts and long tube socks with sandals. Come on somebody. My sandals on. I'm no gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride my golf cart around the neighborhood just yelling at little kids. But when I get this microphone, you are gonna say the old man still got it. Look at him up there. He still got it. Why? Look at me. Not cuz I'm cuz I want to bear fruit in old age cuz I have spent 42 years of my life planted in the house. <laughs> cuz I'm planting my children in the house. I'm planting my life in the house. Somebody asked Jesus one time, "Tell us what the kingdom is like." He said in Mark 4:26, then Jesus said, "The kingdom is like seed. Jesus said the kingdom is like seed. Verse 30, if you skip down, he keeps saying, how can we picture God's kingdom? What kind of story can we use? Then he tells it again. It's like an acorn. It's a seed. And when you put it on the ground, it's quite small as seeds go. This is in your Bible. Yet once it's, Planted, it grows into a huge oak tree with thick branches Catch this oftentimes you'll miss the kingdom of God in your life because it didn't come the way you thought it would when the Jews met Jesus they said there's no way he's Messiah our Messiah is a conquering king There's no way He can come as a baby in Bethlehem. Often we miss the hand of God. Look at me. I'm I'm teaching. I want to rescue you from some of your misery today. We miss the prayer answering God because He shows up in seed form. God, I wanted a miracle. God, I need you to show up. I wish you would do something good. I wish you would, I need, I need you to move in this situation. I need your hand. And often we don't recognize the hand of God because it doesn't show up as a palace. That's what we think of when we think of kingdom. It doesn't show up as a throne, it shows up as a seed. Write this down. This is true for me. It's probably true for you. God often answers my prayers with ideas, instructions and commands you may be in church today praying for a miracle in your family matter of fact I feel in my spirit you're praying for a baby there's somebody in this room praying for a baby there's somebody in this room praying for a husband There's somebody on this side of the room, I could almost put my hand on you. Praying about your marriage, giving it one more shot. God, we need a miracle now. Look, you're in a church that believes in miracles. That's why I want you to fill out a prayer request because I, I mean it. I've seen, I've seen, with these two eyeballs, I've seen God raise dead people. I'm talking about dead to life. I've seen God heal broken bones. My pastor was in a car wreck, broke both of his bones, his shoulders, his arms. He was in a sling like this. I watched in in the altar, I watched both of his arms come back to life. Straight up. I believe in miracles. You're not going to meet a miracle guy like me. Look, but most of the time, God doesn't answer in a miracle. Most of the time, He gives me a seed. An idea. An instruction. He answered Brandy and I's prayer for a baby. With a seed for adoption I don't know if God would have I don't know I I can't go back in time Maybe when I get to heaven I'll ask But I don't know if God would have gave us my first baby If I hadn't have taken the step For adoption I don't know why Because at the time I was like God this doesn't make any sense You could have answered this a year ago That would have saved us a lot but often He answers my prayers and ideas and instructions and commands. So here's the question. What am I currently doing with my current opportunity? What's the seed that God has in my life? What's the command God's given me? Am I supposed to get faithful? Are we supposed to go to counseling? Should I buy that book? Should I join the dream team? Should I lead a small group? all of those are yeses by the way (laughs) what should I do next God I need a miracle okay here's a seed I'll show it to you in the Bible I gotta hurry but listen ten lepers come to Jesus and they can't be touched they're lepers Raymond they're lepers they can't and Jesus says to them go show yourself to the priest you missed it I, I got leprosy maybe you didn't notice my nose is falling off Okay. My skin's rotting off my body. And you want me to go to church? Yeah. And the Bible, you read it for yourself. The Bible says that as they went, they turned around and st- started walking to the temple. And the Bible says as they went, they were healed. Look, there's some stuff in your life you're only going to get with a seed. The Old Testament can't name and is got leprosy, and he goes to the prophet Elisha and he says, I need healing for my leprosy. And Elisha says, Go dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times. Elisha, you're crazy. Preachers generally are. What's wrong? I didn't, I don't need a bath, I need a healing. (laughs) But often, God answers. There's some spark. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. There's some spark of an idea coming to your mind. There's some instruction you haven't followed. There's some command from God. You know what you need to do. Go do that thing. Go get that thing. It's a seed to the miracle. It's a seed to the miracle. It's a seed to them. You don't know. I, but, but pastor, it seems so small. It, Jeff, this doesn't seem like much. I, I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't have much faith left. I don't have much joy. We don't have much love left in this marriage. We don't have a lot of peace left in our home. I don't have a lot of chances. I've checked him into rehab over and over and over. I don't, I don't have a lot left. Let me tell you something. The, the crazy thing about seed is I could open this apple up and I could count the number of seeds in the apple. Correct? Yes or no? What you can't count is the number of apples in the seeds. Because if I open this apple up and count the seeds, and then I take the seeds and put them in the ground... I could plant a whole orchard and I'll never know how many apples come out of that one seed. You Don't discount the seed God gave you. Don't discount what God put in your hand. Don't discount what God gave. Don't discount this opportunity. Don't discount this, I'm done preaching. Don't discount this job. Don't discount these kids. Don't discount this marriage. Don't write off this chance. The garden is a chance for God to move you have in your hand close your eyes and bow your heads what do you have in your hand what seed is it giving you what seeds in your hand it may be small it may not look like much but it's opportunity come on I'm preaching to marriages that have a seed of hope left take that buried in the ground Water it. Cultivate it. I'm preaching to parents who have a seed of hope left that your kids are going to come back to God. Take that. Put it in the ground. Bury it. Let God work on it. I'm preaching to couples that need a baby. You don't have much hope left. Take that seed. You've got a hope. Put it in the ground. Call every foster company. Call every adoption agency. Call every IVF in San Antonio, Houston, and Dallas. And find, just get to work on that seed. Get to work on the opportunity you got. Come on, God's called you to fruitfulness. What seed of hope do you still have? Go to the counselor. Get in therapy. Call that mother. Restore that relationship. It may not be much, but it's a seed. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, We're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit CityHillsTX.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.